For what do I have if I don't have you, Jesus? What in this life could mean anymore? You are my rock. You are my glory. Hi and welcome to The Rock Podcast. In today's teaching, we look at the blessing of being saved and of being in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Gail Irwin with a message entitled, Joy in Jesus. Well, good morning. I'd like to welcome everybody back to the sanctuary for this morning's Bible study. It's my delight to introduce to you folks this morning our speaker, Gail Irwin, he is a conference speaker. He's spoken at retreats. He's been speaking longer than I've been alive, I found out. He's written many books. He's uh, been a part of five different magazines. He was a pastor for 26 years and a Bible college teacher. So he is going to blow your minds. I was, I was here during the first service, obviously, and it was fantastic. So if you would put your hands together with me for Gail Irwin. Thank you, Jim. (laughs) Well, nobody had warned you, I guess. (laughs) What a delight to see you. Uh, I, I have, if I have as much fun this time as I did in the first thing, I might just go on to heaven. I don't know. But what a delight to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, Yes, uh, you would bring up age. Uh, Man. Well, I have just celebrated the 47th anniversary of my 30th birthday. Not really old. I forget how this came up and after talking after the first service, but uh, what I look like now, you know, and I said, look, I played football before they had face masks. <laughs> Explains a lot of things. You know. But just one thing I want to say to you before I get started. Uh, This book has been in print since 1983. This is the 57th printing of it in English. Uh, It is in 37 languages. I keep discovering places. A guy just told me the other day. He said, man, this is, there's a whole chain of Bible schools across North Africa. And he said, this is required in every one of them, you know. I didn't know that. I don't know much, but... uh, (laughs) Uh, it's the kind of book that if I can get you to read like the first page, I got gotcha. <laughs> and uh, if you do one thing out at my table, please make sure that you get this book. Because, I mean, if you want to go to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> but the first service took a lot of my free things, but we do have this bumper sticker left out there, and I, we have enough for you if you take it. It's the only one I've ever put on my cars. Uh, and you might think, well, what does that mean? Well, that's good that you're asking that because others will too. 
And I respond by saying, well, you know, Jesus was the one truly others-centered person. Now, when I say that, you can usually feel the tension. <laughs> but then I tell them, and I'm the poster boy for the opposite. <laughs> and then we have a real conversation. I said, I think about myself most of the time. Oh, yeah, I do too. Then we have a conversation. So <laughs> these are free. So feel free to pick them up. I am in process. God moved me years ago to do this, and it's happening finally, to put a copy of the Jesus style in every church in the United States. And we've done that for more than half of the churches so far. Uh, but the real big ones still remain. <laughs> it costs about $3 a book to get them there. So uh, pray for us about that. Now, there was a period of time in the history of the earth. It was really, really a dark, dark time. It lasted 400 years. And during that time, no one had heard from God. I, just think of it. What, I mean, what do you do? Maybe they said, do you hear from God today? No, no, I didn't either. Oh, yeah, well. And then finally, God in his great grace broke that silence, and it happened this way. There were too many preachers back in that day. Now, isn't that a hard thing to believe? Uh, I mean, the Levites took care of the temple, but there were too many Levites. That, in fact, they would break them up into monthly groups so that they could have maybe more participation, but even those monthly groups were too big. So one could actually live his life Never do anything. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> it's a different crowd. <laughs> Somehow. Because I, I like to get in the Bible and be a character, you know, and walk along and, and kind of see what went on. There was one guy. I kind of have a feeling that he was one of those that just never had anything to do. When the time would come, there were just too many and somebody else did. And finally, in his great age, which I know a little about now, you introduced me and I feel older. All <laughs> Finally, he wins the lottery. He draws the straw that permits him to put the incense on the altar and I can see him, oh man, finally, <laughs> I had to get this old before I could do it. And he puts the incense on the altar and poof, an angel. Hi, Zach. <laughs> Ariah. <laughs> I have good news for you. Now, I'm going to do a lot of narrating, folks, but you, and so, so cut me some slack. I have good news for you. Your prayer has been heard. You're going to have a son. Sir, <laughs> that's an old prayer. <laughs> I haven't prayed that prayer in years. <laughs> you think I'm old, you should see my wife. <laughs> You can, you know, you can put it together the way you want. That's the way I put it together. 
But since you didn't believe me, you are going to have a son. You'll name him John. Since you didn't believe me, you're not going to be able to speak until he's born. Folks, put yourself in this guy's shoes. He goes home <laughs> to Elizabeth. <laughs> You never speak to me. <laughs> Get away from me, you old fool. You know, I just, but <laughs> sure enough, Elizabeth shows up pregnant. This is an amazing thing. I think when, when Zachariah comes back to the temple, you know, they're giving him high fives all over the place. Now, one of the things that was said by the angel to Zechariah, we'll give you just a little bit of a clue of where we're going today. Now, I need to have you practice something with me. This, if you don't believe by now, this is going to be a wild morning. <laughs> At various places within the morning, I am going to lift my hands up and say, joy, which I want you to do at the same time. So let's practice it right now. <laughs> Ready? Joy. Hey, you did good. <laughs> you did good. <laughs> so one of the things that the angel said to Zechariah about John, that we call John the Baptist, is that he would be a joy and a delight to many people. Now, I've often thought, <laughs> how would you like to have raised John the Baptist? You ever thought of that? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I can hear Elizabeth saying, when, when Zachariah comes home, you need to talk to your boy. I caught him eating locusts again today. <laughs> well, now this angel wasn't finished. I, I, this to me is hilarious. First, this angel goes to this really old couple. And then he goes far to the opposite end to, most scholars think, a 15-year-old girl. Hi, Mary, or Hail Mary, whatever you like. <laughs> I have good news for you. <laughs> You're going to have a son. We have a problem here, sir. <laughs> this is, it can be incredible. But as you know, she is going to give birth to the Son of God, Mary. Now, I'm thinking, really old? Really young? What about the rest of us folks? <laughs> and I sometimes ponder that. Sometimes, you know, we're busy. When you're real old, you begin to kind of think some things through maybe and wish you could have and now you can't and... And if you're real young, you know, you're still, boy, how's life going to turn out? But when you're in the middle, hey, I'm busy right now, okay? Making a living and what have you. I don't know that that's good thinking, but I ponder a lot of things about that. And so God goes into some extremes here, but out of that, you know it has to be him and nothing else. Now, 
Mary knows that Elizabeth, her cousin, is pregnant, and so she goes to visit her. And when she comes to within the sound of voice distance, and I don't know how that happened and how they knew, but in the womb of Elizabeth, John the Baptist leaped for joy. Now, by now, I hope that you can see that there, this has to have something to do with Jesus, doesn't it? It's all surrounding him. It's not like, hey, we have a new movement going. We call the joy movement. We want you to just jump for joy every once in a while. You know, No, 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 no. There's a reason for it. There wasn't much joy for 400 years. And now the hope that was in every heart that the Messiah would come. And I wondered if, if every child that was born, they would look at it and say, are you the one? Are you the one? You know, the, the need for deliverance was so real. Well, not long after that, some guys from the far east show up in town in Jerusalem on a quest. And they start asking around, where is he that's born king of the Jews? Oh man, everybody, what are they asking this for, you know? And that caused such a hubbub in Jerusalem, the news made it to the king, Herod. Now, I have noticed in this world, no sitting king wants to hear about a new king. And sure enough, he calls these guys in and say, what, what, what are you guys after? I hear this. Well, we've seen the star, man, and, the, and we've come to see you. We want to find out where he is, where he was born. Herod says, eh, you guys stay here. I'll find out for you. And so Herod goes to the priests. Now, this is amazing to me because you would think when he says, hey guys, aren't you? I think they would probably say, what are, what are you doing here, Herod? Did you get saved or something? <laughs> well, I understand that you folks are expecting a king, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> Don't kill us. You know, they said it was safer to be Herod's pig than his sons because he had killed his sons for fear they might take over, you know. There are vicious times in this world, folks. And so Herod goes and says, well, don't, isn't, aren't you going to have one? Now, I would think that if I were one of those priests, that I would think, you know what? Something's happened. And maybe we should, I would say, you know what, Herod? We want to be really accurate. So if you'll give us about a month while we go through the scripture and so forth so we can be accurate, then we let you know, you know. And then I would have run right straight for Bethlehem. But no, oh yeah, we're going to have a king. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. <laughs> okay, guys, you can go back to sleep. Thank you. So Herod comes and tells the guys, good news, men. It's just a short walk, less than a day's drive down to Bethlehem. And when you find him, come and let me know. I want to worship him too. <laughs> and so these guys head for Bethlehem, these wise men. Now, we sing every year, we three kings of Orient are. First of all, we don't know how many they were. We just know that there were three gifts. 
And it could have taken a lot of people to afford those gifts to put it together. So we don't know. And second, they weren't kings. They were wise men. And now they set off for Bethlehem. Another thing you need to know. Sometimes, and I've been to these uh, planetaria where uh, they will put the heavens in reverse, you know, and take it back to about the time Jesus was born. And then they'll say, okay, now look how this aligns and so forth. That must have been the star of Bethlehem. No, it wasn't. How do I know? This star moved around. In fact, it even came over and pointed right here, guys, right here. Any star we know, if it had been that close, <laughs> we would be crispy critters right now. You know? <laughs> it was a special star created for this moment. And when those guys saw that star pointing, hey, fellas, right here, the Bible records that they were filled with exceeding joy. joy. <laughs> now... <laughs> You need to understand that our word joy is an inadequate word to describe what goes into that, what, what it meant for them. It was much more than our word for joy. We just shortened it. That's a, the problem of English, you know. Is, is, well, there, we got a lot of problems, but anyway. <laughs> it was an active thing. It meant jumping and up and down and spinning around and touching the ground, maybe even doing cartwheels. And can you see these dignified, wise men? I don't think they were saying, would you record that we have exceeding joy? <laughs> no. <laughs> you got to see these men of great dignity and intellect, man, and wisdom. And they're jumping up and down and spinning around, touching the ground, maybe doing cartwheels because they were filled with exceeding joy. <laughs> And it all has to do with Jesus. Isn't this amazing? Well, through Jesus' lifetime, the disciples were learning some things that they, and, and I love the way Jesus worked, you know. He, I'm sorry, that, 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 these, are, these are an abomination, really. <laughs> sorry about that, Zach. But he, we've already had a conversation. You know, I like lapel mics, but... Sound men don't. <laughs> but Jesus, you know, he didn't go to the, uh, to the seminaries and elite places to pick his disciples. He, they, he got them off the streets. An amazing bunch. They were, I, I marvel at them, you know. They, if you look at it, you really think, you know, they were really a bunch of losers. Uh, he, and he prayed all night before he chose them. So what did he get? Well, he got one that denied him and another one that betrayed him. That's a bad start. They all got angry at him. They all abandoned him at some point. They never seemed to understand what he was saying. It even says right near the end, and the disciples didn't have a clue. <laughs> I can understand this. Their most common thing they did was they fought with each other the whole time they were with Jesus. They didn't fight over, argue over deep theological questions. They fought over, who's the greatest? I'm better than you. You are not. That's fine. 
You know what I marvel at? Jesus never fired them. <laughs> Even though they argued at the last supper table over that question. <sighs> so, Actually, one of my books called Not Many Mighty, I basically try to prove in that that God only uses jerks. Because <laughs> there's so many of us. And we're the only thing available, really. I, I've, uh, in all of my preaching around the world with some small and some large crowds, I've never had a governor in my audience. And I see that I still don't. Governor's not here. Probably not even a member of, uh, of Congress is here. I did have one time, twice actually, a member of Congress, same guy. First time I didn't know he was there, but I mentioned something about, uh, you know, an honest politician, which is a uh, <laughs> mutually exclusive term. And I said, like, family vacation or. <laughs> government organization, Microsoft Works, things like that. <laughs> and I, I, I used that illustration in that congregation. It was a large one, and nobody laughed. And I knew I've said something bad. <laughs> And this guy, they come and introduce him to me, and I apologize to him. You know. But the next time I preached there, he was there, and I knew it. <laughs> I really went after him. That time. <laughs> he came up after to me. This, this is a story. I still can't believe it happened to me. What do I have to do to keep you from impugning my integrity? I said, it's real easy. Have integrity that cannot be impugned. Amen. Oh, man. And he walked out. The next morning, LA Times, front page. They caught him in a scandal and he had to resign from. Now, you didn't need to know that, and I don't know why I told you, but I did. <laughs> but I'm really trying to get around <laughs> for you to really hear. That you're, the, you're God's people, see? And you were not chosen because you were intellectual. In fact, that could be a deterrent in some ways because it can make you proud. No, it hadn't made me proud, but, but it could. <laughs> and pride is the worst sin of all, you see. And so here we are, uh, virtually unknown, you know. Maybe we've already had our 15 minutes of fame. And yet you're God's choice. Think of it. He likes you. And he knows that you will listen and you will follow. And that it doesn't matter who you are in the world. You are deeply loved by God. I've discovered in my <clears throat> 30 years of ministry. How old are you anyway? I'm trying <laughs> 34. Okay, actually in my uh, 60 years. Uh, uh, that many Christians really think that God isn't happy with them, you know. 
you think about yourself and you think of your struggles and you know that God's going, ay, ay, ay. If I had just known. <laughs> but I want you to know, and I'm going to prove it before this morning is over, and who knows how long this morning is going to last, <laughs> that God is crazy about you just like you are. Well, I think he wants me to be better. He knows you're going to be better, but he's crazy about you now. Well, what if I don't even believe in him? He is crazy about you too. This is, this is the God that we serve. And this is why as Jesus is talking, he sends his 70 guys out to do what he does, you know, heal the sick, raise them from the dead, uh, cast demons out. And boy, they come back excited. It worked, man. Did we have power? I think on the way home to Jesus, they argued over who cast the most demons out. Mine, well, made the most noise. Yeah, and and mine, I caught him, man. He looks like a frog. I got him pickled right here in the car. <laughs> and Jesus says the most amazing thing. He says to them, do not rejoice that the demons are subject to you. What? I mean, that's a big thing. This is what we do rejoice over. Look what I did. I cast these demons down, you know. He said, don't rejoice over that. Well, then what do we rejoice over? Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Isn't that amazing? I have a dear friend. When the first time I heard him preach, he was going through scripture and, and he would get excited every once in a while and he'd stop and he'd say, I'm saved. And then he'd go on and teach some more and he'd get excited again and he'd stop and say, I'm saved. And that's it, folks. When you realize what it means to have your name written in heaven and it doesn't depend on how nice you are. It depends on how nice he is then you understand what Jesus is saying. And that's when he wants us to understand and to be filled with incredible joy. <laughs> then it says a really interesting thing. It says that Jesus, right, this is right after that in Luke, was beside himself. Now your version might not say that, but your version's wrong. It does say it there. It was beside himself with joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, those words uh, mean, back then meant crazy. If you were beside yourself, you were crazy. In the third chapter of Mark, his family thought he was beside himself and they went to get God and take him home, get him well. <laughs> but he was beside himself with joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, what does that mean? He was crazy with joy. What did that look like? Did he say, let the record read that I'm crazy with joy? He was jumping up and down, spinning around, touching the ground, maybe doing cartwheels. That's our Messiah. <laughs> Why? Because of you. He says, I thank you, Father, that you've hidden this from the smart Alex, And you've made it, you've spoken through babes. That's us. And we have a special place. I hope you know that. We're saved. Now, if you're not, you can be there in just in a minute. You can do it now if you want to, but 
It's really simple. It's not a complicated thing. We have no rituals that you have to do. It's a decision that you make that you believe. You believe in Jesus. You recognize he is God's begotten son and he died for us and he's resurrected for us. And we have the same privilege because we believe and we choose. It's a choice that you make. You can do that even right now while I'm talking. And then you'll understand and you'll be able to even start off joy if you want. <laughs> but Jesus was beside himself with joy over you right then. It's incredible. Well, there's another place where joy becomes extremely important and it has to do with some relationships. Now, in John chapter 13, Jesus is gathered there. It's the Last Supper time. He has has uh, struggled with these guys the whole time they were with him. He prayed, did I tell you that he prayed all night before he chose the apostles? Did I tell you what he got? <laughs> you know? He either blew the prayer. <laughs> Maybe he forgot to say in Jesus' name at the end of it. I don't know. <laughs> but he never fired <laughs> And here at this Last Supper table, man, the night of his betrayal, they fight one more time over who was the greatest. And Jesus didn't fire them. I would have. I would. Have you ever feel like firing yourself? You know, I think I, it's, it's, I'm hopeless, God. He said, yeah, in your eyes you are. But you're working with God, man. And I'm not hopeless. And so... This very fascinating thing happens. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you. Now that wasn't good news because I already had over 600. <laughs> Man, how do you remember all of those? This was a problem. You just, well, the law was given to us to prove to us we couldn't keep the law, really. And oh, now this is what, number 614? I don't know, don't care. You can't remember them all. I have trouble uh, with, with remembering all the laws. you realize how many laws there are? We know we're coming up on tax time. I, I find it difficult to remember the speed limit, you know. I <laughs> consider it a recommendation anyway. And for Jesus to say, a new commandment I give you was not necessarily good news. And then he said... That you love one another as I... Yeah, well, that you love one another. That was definitely not good news because those guys did not love each other. Oh, boy. How do you define love? In 2012, the most common question asked on this search engine called Google <laughs> was, what is love? Can you believe that? Like Google would know. And we struggle with that. We let Hollywood define it for us, but they unfortunately have misspelled it L-U-S-T rather than love. Back when I was in college, 1890, somewhere in there, uh, a guy in Atlanta, Georgia, wrote a book, a powerful one. It wasn't a large one, but it was powerful, called Situation Ethics. And in that book, he took each of the Ten Commandments and showed a situation in which it would be wrong to obey that commandment. 
So he says, don't give me rules because they always have exceptions. Let me look at the situation and choose what the loving thing to do is and do that and it'll always be right. Now, this book troubled me. It troubled me because I disagreed with some of his evaluation of the Ten Commandments, but what really troubled me was, yeah, I mean, do the loving thing. That sounds so scriptural, you know? But I, I knew, I just felt it. There's a flaw somewhere in this book. I found it, and it had a name. Gail Irwin. Me. You see, you can't just turn me loose and say, Gail, do the loving thing. <laughs> There's always just enough larceny in my soul that I'm going to ask the question, but what's in this for me, you know? Now, I don't know if you realize it, but that me is the worst problem you got. And the more you think about yourself, the more miserable you become. You know why? Because yourself is never satisfied. Am I there yet? Are they treating me the way I deserve to be treated? Am I happy? Yourself is never, ever satisfied. And it's a source of your miseries. And don't think about it now, but later on, just think of your miseries and then think of what you were thinking about and who you were thinking about at that time. Well, how do I not be miserable? I'm going to tell you. Not right now, though. <laughs> But Jesus said, <laughs> a new commandment I give you. Now, I'm going to take a position here. And I failed to finish that in the first service. I'm sorry about that. But I will tell you folks, and then you can meet the guys in the first service and tell them what I forgot to tell them. But Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you. Now, I believe that this was not just a new commandment or a highly recommended one or a very important one, but it was the new commandment to fulfill and to replace in a way all other commandments now I'll tell you I'm going to go ahead and say that Paul tells this in, in, in uh, Acts chapter thir 8 verse 13 he, he starts mentioning them and said uh, all of the commandments and he goes through some of them and if there's any other commandment are all fulfilled in this one word love your neighbor as yourself Wow, is that simple? Yeah. You mean I can eat pork? Go ahead. <laughs> huh? Because the question isn't that. The question is, do you love your neighbor? Well, now we still got a problem. Can you love someone and not like them? Like is, is, is an emotion, and they come and they go, you know. Anybody, anybody that's been married more than 30 minutes knows that. <laughs> uh, I hope you will meet my wife. She's a cute, white-haired chick at my table, you know. And, uh, by the way, some people told us when we, for our 50th anniversary or 55th, did a bus tour of Ireland because we have, you know, some past there. They don't want to admit it, but... Uh, and, and we did a commercial bus tour and uh, a bunch of ladies who said to my wife at the end of the tour, said, we've been looking at you and we think that you are what Marilyn Monroe would have looked like had she lived this long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
So, you know, you can compliment her when you see her. Well, at any rate, Jesus said not just to love one another as a new commandment, but he defined love. And this is a very, very important thing, and I hope you hear this this morning. He defines love. He says to love one another as I have loved you. Now, that's not a very good definition to me. Because when I first read that, I thought, oh, man, I'm going to have to get crucified. That didn't excite me a whole lot. But please hear this. He didn't say love one another as I will love you. The disciples still had no clue about the cross. But love one another as I have loved you. Past tense. Oh, well, how had he loved them? Well, thank you for asking. (laughs) You go back to the beginning of that chapter. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now loved them to the end, which is an old idiomatic statement of showed them how much he loved them or the full extent of his love. What did he do to show his love? Well, he got up from that table and did something that was, we just don't understand it. Let me explain it this way. If I were to come to your house today and knock on your door, I would hope you'd say, Gail, good to see you. Maybe hug me. Come in. Have a seat. Let me get you a cup of Christian crack. I mean, coffee. I've had people tell me when I call them back, I can't talk to you now. I haven't had my coffee. Call me in 30 minutes. Okay. But American greeting rituals are the simplest in the world. Nobody's that simple as we are. Come in, have a seat. Let me get you something to drink. But if this were 2,000 years ago, it would be different. I'd knock on your door and hopefully, Gail, good to see you. You'd kiss me on both cheeks, which they still do in some places. You would seat me, and if I were especially welcome, you'd anoint my head with oil. Now, now we do that when we pray for the sick, you know. Uh, but we have this little vial of olive oil. Doo, doo, doo. <laughs> That's okay. That's anointing. It's not the way they did it, though. They would take... See, here we go. <laughs> Poor Zach. <he's> in <laughs> they would take a bottle of olive oil and empty it on your head and slick your hair. (laughs) I'm getting there, yeah. And slick it down, you know, and we go, yuck, you know. But this was before the days of shampoos and hair dryers. And that was a very soothing, cleansing, honoring, uh, healing thing to do. Now, if I were to leave your house today honored, nobody would know. But back then, man, everybody say, boy, somebody loves that dude. Look at that greasy head. See? <laughs> and that was part of a greeting ritual, uh, but to, not to everybody, but to only especially honored ones. But then there would be one thing else that you would do. We have no clue. We know about it, but we have no understanding of it. And uh, we rarely make use of it for that reason, because it's not part of our greeting rituals, is you would wash my feet. Now, everybody wore sandals. The roads were but dust. It didn't take long before walking was uncomfortable. And hospitality is the art of making people comfortable. And so you'd wash my feet. Well, hey, there's a little problem with that. 
If a man had any servants, it would be the lowest ranked servant who would wash feet. If he was too poor to have any servants, the host would wash feet, but it would be a public admission of his low estate. What's the big deal about foot washing? Here it is. They believed back then, and by the way, uh, Arabs and Muslims do to this day, that the bottom of the foot was the dirtiest part of the body. Now, we don't believe that today. By the way, if you understand this, it will clear up some things. Remember when they pulled Saddam Hussein's statue down and guys were taking their shoes and beating it with the bottom of their shoe? That was ultimate insult. Maybe you remember one of our presidents having a shoe thrown at him. We don't understand here how much of an insult that was. But you see, <laughs> you got to be the lowest ranked servant to wash feet. Now, we rejoin these guys, 13 of them all told, including Jesus, around this table that was not like our tables. They didn't sit at chairs at tables like we do. It was a low table uh, built like a squared off horseshoe and they reclined at the table and their legs sucked out like the spokes on a wheel. Barefooted. Their shoes had been taken off. And nobody's feet had been washed at that table. Wow. It, you get a clue about where they sat. We know that at the head of the table, the, the most important seat was John. How do we know? He told us. <laughs> but he did it in an interesting way. He said, he called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved, who leaned against his breast or chest. Now, when I first read that, I thought, well, what kind of fellows were these anyway? <laughs> but he's telling you where he, to talk to Jesus, you see, when he's on your left side and Jesus is there, he has to lean back against his chest. He's telling you, I'm number one. They sat according to rank. That explains why they fought much of the time. Every time they, they, they reclined, there was a fight over who was going to recline where. And Peter was down at the end. How he got there is another story. I have a clue, but I'm not going to get into that right now. And he, I think John looked across the table and said, why doesn't Peter wash feet? Peter's saying, I'm not washing feet. If I wash feet, I'll lose an argument over who's the greatest. The guys in the middle are probably saying, why doesn't somebody do something? <laughs> As a pastor, I, you know, when people would come up and pastors hear this, and I'm going to clue you as to how we feel. Why doesn't the church do such and such, you know? I used to hear that. I became famous for this statement. Thank you for volunteering. And so what does happen? The Son of God, the creator of this universe, the savior of our souls, gets up from that table and washes the dirty part, the dirtiest part of those guys. He still does that. He still does that. Even in one place where he says, I am among you as one who serves, 
the real meaning of that particular one is I'm among you as a garbage collector. Now, I don't know when they collect garbage where you live. It's Tuesday at our house. <coughs> but Jesus collects garbage every day. The real question in life is who's going to take out the garbage. You know that, don't you? <laughs> and so Jesus says, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you and how he had loved them was by serving them. Now, folks, hear this very carefully because you now have the definition of love. It is independent of, though occasionally they will walk side by side, of emotion. Emotion comes and goes. I don't have a gun at my house. If I did, my wife would not know where it is. <laughs> because emotions come and they go. And Jesus goes on after defining it for us. As I have loved you, I loved you. He now showed them just how much he loved them. And he did the lowest servant job there for them. I don't think he did it because it was pleasant. I don't think he did it because the apostles were likable. But he did it because he loved them. And that was the way to show it. Now, I'm just going to throw something in here just for your, uh, any, I don't raise your hands, but any of you ever wish you had the secret to how to live a sinless life? I'm going to give it to you right now. <laughs> Ready? When you are serving others and blessing others, you are not sinning. Voila. <laughs> I thought they'd be, you'd be doing cartwheels now. <laughs> <laughs> But when you begin to think about myself, don't I deserve something? Watch out, you know. So that servant life is a loving life and it's, don't even pay attention to whether emotion is involved in it. It may be and it's okay. But that's not what moves us. It's the choice that I, you are so valuable to God no matter who you are that I want to make life better for you. I want to serve you. Amen. Now, in John chapter 15, Jesus makes a statement. I'm pulling all of this together now, sort of. When he says, I've told you this, and if you keep my commandments, and, and then he says, and my commandment is that you love one another, that your joy may be full. Really? Now, this is hard for the world to, to absorb because it's, you know, you better look out for number one, and that's myself, you know. And Jesus says, you look out for someone else and you will find out that you are number one. Because he says, if you want to find your life, go for it. No, lose it. Now, that's another oxymoron. You can put that on billboards all over the county. If you want to find your life, lose it. People drive by. Mabel, you have any idea what that means? You know? <laughs> but what he's saying is, if you want to be everything you can possibly be and enjoy life to the fullest, you just give life away. You bless other people, and you'll discover that you are so filled with joy, joy that you can hardly stand yourself. <laughs> huh? And he says, I'm telling you this because I want your joy to be full. 
God is, some people think God wants me to be miserable because he knows that I'm not very good at doing me. I'll hit that side. <laughs> that, you know, I'm not doing too good. I find myself disappointing myself all the time and I'm probably God's really disappointed in me. No, he isn't. He knows that we're made, well, <laughs> I'm going to quote my, my Philadelphia brothers. They're pretty, they're built pretty low to the ground. <laughs> he says, God knows that we are but dust. <laughs> now you're not, <laughs> I'm sorry. You're not recording this, are you? <laughs> he knows we're made out of dust, you know, and you can't shock God. But you also can't outlast his love. And the very fact that you're here means that you are wanting to be more and better. And God knows that. And he's saying, for one thing, kind of knock it off because I love you already. Because you th if you think that by your achieving this or that, I'm going to love you more, it just ain't so. I'm crazy about you now. And you've made the choice that guarantees this to follow me and to know me. So you see, it really becomes kind of simple. Now, I, I, I need to rush on here and take you to the end of time. A lot of people think we're there. I do. I've been thinking this for however long I've been alive. <laughs> I can remember when, uh, when Jerusalem was recaptured, and I thought, this is it. And I told everybody to sell their possessions, you know, give them to me. I, did. I didn't do that. But some people will do that for you. Know, because it has to be now. But I, I'm not even going to talk about that. I just want to tell you what's going to happen when the end time comes. And nobody tells you this. When they're teaching on end times, they don't tell you this. But this is where it's going, folks. And you got to hear this. If you turn to Revelation and take one step to the left, and only one, because there is a little book there. It's one chapter called Jude. And the next to the last verse in that chapter talks about what's going to happen at the end. It says, now unto him, who? Jesus. Who is able to keep you from falling. Oh, you thought it was up to you. No, he's in charge of you now. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless, faultless before the presence of his glory. That's the Father. With exceeding joy. <laughs> this, this, just think of this. Just think of this. The time has come and Jesus takes we who are there now to present to the Father. And you're going to be involved in this. I can hear him saying, and now, Dad, here's Pastor Jim. And he's doing cartwheels and spinning around and so forth. And then he says, and now, Here's sound man Jack, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> and whee! 
Satan who presents him, and he's going to do that for you. He's going to do that for you and 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 you. And he'll come to me even and say, Now, Father, here's Gail. I did the best I could do, Dad. <laughs> but no, even I am going to get that kind of a whee from Jesus. Please know it's coming. And that's the end of times that I'm interested in. I don't really want to care no much about anything else. That's what I want to be interested in because Jesus said, Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Remember? That's your source. You can know what you think is everything about the end times. And I can remember a book that was published uh, proving that Mussolini was the Antichrist. It got real cheap at the end of the war. <laughs> but I do know this about the end of times in my Lord. I'm going to be there. And that's why just the very fact that I am saved, man, is a source of increasing and incredible and unbelievable joy. Now, if you are not following Jesus, you know, and, and, and people do come to church and haven't yet really, I mean, they, they're in favor of church and they kind of like God, but they just don't necessarily believe in him. And I understand that. And if that happens to be true of any of you, we're so glad you're here, you know. And I'm glad to tell you that my God is crazy about you. And we want to treat you so good that you'll think we are too. Because we are very, very glad that you're here and we want you to sense that from us. But you know, we don't mind signing for a, like a hundred years to buy a house or something. And any more, six years, I can't believe this, to buy an automobile, we'll sign for that. And some people think that signing on with God is, means, oh man, I'm going to have to pay for this. But let me tell you, here's how quickly you can get saved. Like that. It's a decision you make. I believe in you. I believe you are the son of God, Jesus. And I believe you died for me and rose for me. And I choose to follow you now. That's it. Don't you have a ritual? I don't think we do. Yeah, I may be talking out of turn, but from what I'm watching up here on the platform, but not a lot of rituals around here. But when it comes to your being part of the kingdom of God, we so want that for you. We want it to be as simple as Jesus made it. Believe, and you receive that. And if you do, he will not turn you away. He's not saying, well, I don't know. But he receives you. In his heart, he already has, but he won't violate your choices. That's the image of God in us. And he won't violate you ever. You choose, wonderful. You don't, mm. But he won't violate you. So don't leave here without that. And one other thing that I want you to know, if you're not a follower of Jesus, we really, if you choose to do that this morning, to follow him, please, please let us know. 
I mean, Pastor Jim, he'll talk to you. Now, why do we want you to let us know? Here's why. You are a new one. You are a baby in Christ. And, you know, we've had four of those things at our house. (laughs) And they they take care, you know, they, they mess things. And we want to be around to change your diapers, you know, you need that. We understand. And we have had the joy of watching Jesus at work in our lives. Man, I like what one guy said. I ain't what I'm going to be, and I ain't what I ought to be, but I ain't what I was. You know, and that's what he does in us. So now you understand, I hope. You can live a sinless life, and you will then find his joy in you when you begin to love others by serving them. So simple. Now, you can't do that without him. He said, without me, you can do... How much is that? (laughs) But he's the vine, we're the branches... And with him, all our job is is hang on. You know, I've never seen, uh, I have a fig tree at my house. I like figs, and I've never seen it sweat. Uh, am I doing it? Okay. <laughs> Those branches just hang on. Uh, well, I hope now that you will leave here with exceeding joy. <laughs> Okay, now, there's a tradition that we have in Calvary's, and it's a tradition. I'm an iconoclast. I break idols. And uh, when, you know, when I finish speaking, usually I just say, I'm finished, and I'll walk off. Now, we have a tradition going in Calvary chapels where the uh, uh, worship team comes back up. And they are waiting to hear certain words. It's Pavlovian, you know. If they, they got to hear these words or they don't know when to come up. And they need to hear, let us pray. <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with prayer, but I just get, I'm amused by anything that we find. We got to do this. And we don't know why, but it's a tradition. And it's not a bad tradition. I just making fun of it. <laughs> Simply because it's a tradition. (laughs) But this is a great worship team. I've enjoyed them. So, Father, thank you very much that we are your kids and that you're interested in us, Lord. And you want us to sense the incredible presence that you give us and the joy of, of just knowing you and worshiping you now. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvarytherock.org.